Uh, welcome anyone who's listening to the second episode of Destination Indie. Uh, if anyone has been wondering where we've been, well, fortunately, a lot of us are, are been we've been pretty busy and uh, a lot of it comes down to scheduling, timing and also playing the games that we're actually going to be talking about, which considering how many games we have to chat about this this episode, it's kind of obvious why it might have taken us a little bit of time, especially given some of the games that we're actually playing, why it's been so long since we've actually had an episode. But before we get into that, I have to introduce uh, the, the co-host of the show, Kylia, the uh, the aficionado. Uh, welcome to another episode of Destination Indie. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to do another episode. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, looking forward to what games you've kind of picked out and what games I should be playing. Uh, we've had some good good discussions and some help uh, with the with some of the games that we've been playing. And I, I don't know that we'll agree wholly on everything that we picked out, but some of the things that we have talked about, uh, I, I, I think, are games that people listening to the podcast are going to enjoy in some way or another but uh did you want to kind of break down the the games that we're going to be talking about uh for which one which ones you picked out this week sure um so we're going to be deep diving on Morkred, unruly heroes call of the sea donut county and max curse of brotherhood this week awesome well i know i've i've played to completion two of those uh, uh, the other three I'm not as familiar with. One of them I'm familiar with because you've kind of talked to me about it, but we, but I, I don't have anyone to play it with, so I, I can't really jump into that. And the other two, I'm just kind of interested to, to find out more about what's going on. So I wanted to uh, actually pick up on Call of the Sea as the first one because I think that one is the one most people are probably going to be familiar with if they've been uh, either listening to this podcast or listening to any podcast that talks about uh, indies in general call of the sea seems like it's the one that's probably the most popular if maybe i'm i don't know maybe i'm stepping out of bounds there but would you would you say that that's fairly accurate yeah so i was actually um when they first showcased that call of the sea was going to be a day one game pass when they were doing all the announcements at e3 i picked it out a mile away i said that's a game i want to play that's a game i'm interested in and uh, a lot of times i do that because i do play games that are off the beaten path people don't really have the same opinion as me. So I was super surprised when Call of the Sea came out and there was such a huge presence for it. Um, and people that were like, yeah, I want to play that or, or, or I saw, that I saw playing it. It was honestly shocking to me. So I definitely say it's probably the most, um, the biggest presence on our list today. So let's, let's dive into that. So Call of the Sea, uh, the studio is out of the blue. Uh, it's being published by Raw Fury. Are those two studios and, or is that a studio and a publisher that you're familiar with in the past? Actually, no. Um, Call of the Sea is actually the first title for the studio. Um, they haven't done anything else prior to this. And they did say that, um, their goal is to make games like Call of the Sea. So narrative puzzle games. Um, Raw Fury has done some games, but nothing that I'm very familiar with. So, so they're both, um, game or studio and publisher that I have not really familiar with prior to this. That's kind of nice to hear actually. Cause, uh, I think if it's one thing you and I can agree on is that this game came out of the blue and, uh, no, no pun intended. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I was just kind of, it, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. You know yes, what you I mean? Did. No, I didn't. I didn't mean that. Um, but it, it came out of nowhere. Um, 
you know what it is? It's the fact that it's it's the name of the studio, and it was like in my head, so I just had that that stupid retention that happens, and that's the first thing that came to mind when I was trying to open my mouth and say something intelligent, which rarely happens. But when this did uh, come out, I, I saw it, and it just looked so polished. And uh, as a fan of Sea Thieves, I think both of us could kind of find some familiarity with the aesthetic and be drawn to it instantly. Um, if, if I'm if I'm putting words in your mouth, feel free to yell at me. Uh, so looking at this, I, I'm looking forward to the fact that Out of the Blue is saying that they're they're looking to do kind of these uh, puzzle based narrative games because I think going into this game it really set the stage right off the bat um getting into it the the first things i really noticed was uh you've got a a female lead who's venturing out to try and find out what happened to her husband who was out trying to find a cure for this disease that she has uh the disease that no one during the time of of them actually living had any idea uh what kind of disease it was they had no idea but they they knew that there was something going on out in the world that that they were going to try and find a way to actually cure it uh after getting a chance to sit down and and play through this i initially had trouble with the pacing um the pacing was very relaxed and slow and in most of the games i play there's a, a sprint and that's just what that just wasn't an option in this because of her disease. She was so uh, weak in in her current state, and it isn't until later on in the game that she starts to regain some of that strength, which actually ties into the narrative. And uh, without spoiling it, I was finally able to uh, to to get a sprint in there. But uh, overall, with the the story itself, um, I, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but. Uh, were there any other little bits of information about the game that you wanted to kind of dive into before we we jump too much further into the story that I already ruined? <laughs> you actually covered a lot of it. Um, I, what really stood out to me about Call of the Sea is is the way that the game was formatted. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if you're very familiar with point and click puzzle games or or games that incorporate like a walking simulator with puzzles, but normally you have a lot of smaller puzzles to go through. Mm -hmm. um, and, they, and they really varied that up a little bit by giving you smaller puzzles that give you clues to solve one larger puzzle for each chapter. And that was actually really refreshing to me as somebody who plays puzzle games often. Yeah. However, um, kind of leading into what you said, it's, it's not a game you can, you can breeze through. Like a lot of games when they have lore content, um, for example, Sea of Thieves, and I'm not digging on lore content or anything like that. It's something that you can go right past and then continue playing the game and it won't make any, it won't affect your gameplay experience any. Um, this is the, the odd man out when it comes to that. It's, it's definitely something where you need to make sure that you are looking at all the little notes that are strewn about everywhere. You need to look at the puzzles. You need to read the clues because if you can't, you're going to get stuck. And and in order to really have a full experience with this game, you you need to look at everything that it's giving to you as part of your gameplay. Yeah, I I definitely and even there were definitely times where I felt like I had gone through every bit of little thing and actually kind of seen everything and even then there were times where uh, i got stuck on a particular puzzle where i was i was 100 percent sure i had i knew exactly what i needed i knew exactly what i what i had to do but for whatever reason the uh, journal that you get which tends to log down all of the kind of key 
inf- bits of information about things that you inspect so that you can reference that for the actual puzzle. And it's kind of a way to understand, like, are you on the right track for the actual puzzle that you're currently working on? And and by the way, I, bef- before I really get into what I was about to say, I have to say the puzzles in this game uh, vary in difficulty, but I absolutely loved all of them. Uh, there wasn't one that I thought of that, that I went through that I was like, this is really just kind of superfluous. It, it really doesn't feel like it's it's kind of moving the story along. Whereas uh, in, in this, it really did feel like each puzzle was uncovering the story bits uh, as Nora was kind of exploring around. She was learning more and more about this island and and how the island uh, reacts to her. But also it, it was nice to know that the things that were blocking me from the from progression were things that mattered to the actual narrative and it was important that you finish each bit because every time you finished a puzzle it gave you a little bit more of the story and a little more understanding of what was going on in that world uh at the time that all that stuff was being uh created so the the one thing that i was getting on about the the actual puzzle was uh i actually had to look up a guide a couple times on this and and talk to you about it as well uh because there's one puzzle where i thought i had done everything i went to to work on uh another part of the puzzle and it wasn't until i looked up the guide and they're like yeah do these these things i was like all right i'm almost positive that i've actually done these but i will just go and do these again so i went and i actually re-looked at the things that i needed to look at and sure enough one of them for whatever reason just did not register when i initially did it and i thought it had so i felt like i was just completely stumped like it kind of just put a, a a big roadblock in front of me and said like you can't progress through the game unless you figure this out and it was like that is that's kind of tough when there's no way to have like a hint guide in this game there's nothing that will kind of be like hey i i see that you've been having trouble with this would you like a uh, an invincible star luigi and you're like no i'm, I'm good i'm good but i, I kind of wish there was something in the game that was like hey I, I recognize that you've been kind of stumped on this for the last two hours. Would you like a hint? So what did you feel about the, how, or I guess, uh, how, how did you feel as far as the puzzles go? Well, there's definitely no handholding. What I would say is I really liked the fact that as you looked at the different clues, because I've been through a lot of puzzle games. It's one of my favorite genres. Um, I've had to take like graph paper i've had to like write things down you know what i mean i've had to take some extraordinary measures outside of games before in order to solve puzzles even as recently as the um, down of bermuda that i reviewed but um what i thought was great about this game is everything that you looked at that was a clue it would log there really wasn't anything that you needed to write something down or remember that wasn't easily available to you in the journal um what was tough about that is is kind of touching on what you said. It, the puzzles are all over the place in terms of difficulty. Um, a lot of times it's the leaps that you need to make in terms of logic to bring clue one, clue two, clue three together to solve the larger puzzle. Um, kind of getting ahead of myself here, but in chapter three was the hardest one for me and I think for you too. I think it was chapter three. I'm, I think I know what you're talking about as far as the one that we both kind of talked about. Yeah. Um, the organ puzzle. It's hard to talk around. Yeah. That it's yeah, without saying anything else. Yeah. Organ puzzle. If you've if you've played it, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you don't, just be prepared. That's you it's it's worth it to kind of have a guide on 
in your back pocket or have someone to talk with like we did uh, to, to be able to help kind of work out some of that logic. Cause that, that really is like a big stopgap, I think in my mind of, of where you run into problems with being able to understand the intent of, of the puzzle and how difficult it is to work out the different pieces of the puzzle. But yeah, I, kind of going on going, what, what were you going to uh, dive into? I was going to say it actually took seven different pieces and parts to figure out the Oregon puzzle. Uh, which is a lot, you know what I mean? Like trying to figure out how that, you know, you need to use this on this and I move that to that, you know what I mean? And kind of following that chain of logic in order to get to your final solution for that puzzle was a lot. And um, I would hope that people wouldn't just give up when they get to that puzzle, because a lot of the game after that really is easier and doesn't require quite the leap of logic that you need to to get to the end of the puzzles. And, and it's such an incredible game that that if you're playing this and you got stuck on chapter three, look up a guide, do what you need to do to get through that because there's so much more game after that that's worth playing. And I don't want people to you have that be a, a wall that they come up against. The the content that's actually post that is some of the most beautiful content I've seen in a game too. That, that the thing, the thing that's ironic about it is the the atmosphere and the mood in the first three chapters is beautiful, and it really sets the stage for the the the, the apex of the the story, the the actual climax. And when you get to get past that, everything else just becomes so much more interesting and so much more exciting to understand, like how how the rest of the world on that island exists and the story really ramps up too as you're trying to find your husband uh about what's going on with that so i i have to echo that and the interesting thing about that puzzle is it is seven pieces you will probably want to have a guide just to kind of stick with it if you if you run into trouble but a lot of the puzzle pieces are actually laid out linear in a in a linear fashion you actually travel to the first part of the puzzle before you travel to the second part of the puzzle and then you travel to the third part of the puzzle after you get past the second part of the puzzle so uh if you follow along and you don't do the thing where a lot of people in say like uh adventure action games where it's like yeah this is a really stressful moment but i'm going to wander around this entire room to try and find any little bit of uh ammo or herb that i can to, to try and survive if you just go with the flow of the game and i'm i'm really trying hard not to make the c puns here uh if you just go with the flow of the game and you head to the to the big interesting thing that you that's in front of you then chances are you will probably stumble across the part of the puzzle that you need to at first and after that once you've done kind of exploring that area it will it will kind of push you to the next portion and you kind of have to let yourself go with where they, where you feel like the game is trying to send you as a try, as opposed to trying to be that person that is trying to explore every nook and cranny and get ahead of where you think the game wants you to be to try and see what's going on there. Like just, just kind of let yourself be pulled in with the actual narrative and go from point to point to point, as opposed to uh, just really diving too much into stuff that you really don't need to until you've, gotten the information that you need i would agree with that um it's just it's just not a fast-paced game is what it is you have to stop and and flip the pictures over you know what i mean look at the sign hanging from the hut look at everything and let that help you move along in the narrative because it 
it is so important that you just kind of let it guide you. So if it says, oh, well, after that, I went and looked at the control room of the ship. Well, don't go to the other tent, go to the control room of the ship because it's going to tell you, like, give you your next clue that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Overall, um, how how did you feel about this? Were there, were there any things that you didn't like about this game other than uh, the, the difficulty in, in variation for the puzzles? Honestly, that was my biggest gripe with it is just because they, they, you know, if you, if you look them up um, the developer, they'll say that they want this game to be approachable for everyone. And I feel like, Maybe if some of the puzzles hadn't been quite so difficult, and again, I'm going to bring up chapter three because that was like the bane of my existence, um, that it would be more accessible to more people who maybe want to vary out of their comfort zone and try a game like this. And they definitely should. This game is amazing. It's got, in addition to just having really unique puzzles and trying to figure out how everything fits together and making those leaps of logic, it's also got um, really great sound. The music is just flows really well with the story. The voice acting is amazing. I just, it's something that I think, even if it's maybe not the type of game you regularly play, definitely people need to look into. Yeah. And it, for those that may have played other games akin to this, uh, if you've ever played the game Firewatch, uh, Sissy Jones, who was in Firewatch, actually voices uh, Nora in Call of the Sea. And she just has one of those warm uh, voices that I could just listen to all day long. She, she's she got a great, great voice and she knows exactly how to inflect, uh, how to show emotion, how to show concern with a character that is first person, which is, I it's really interesting to play a first person game that has so much narrative from the actual uh, protagonist. You know, typically when you're a a first person character, you're supposed to have options on what you want to say, but because you're alone on this island, everything that you say is to yourself. And so she's talking to herself a lot of the time. And in in that instance, she's explaining how she feels about a situation or, or what she's uncovered or what she's thinking out loud to try and help uh, with the fact that you don't get to see her character explore this. It is you exploring this as her. And it's, it's an interesting way to approach a a first person narrative game where you don't have other people to talk to in this, in this uh, world, you know, when you're starting out. Um, The one thing that I did want to approach on is the ratings for this. Uh, So I'm, I'm over on the Xbox app right now. And I wanted to dive into this uh, again. I'm really trying not to do the the puns. I'm sorry about that. Uh, the average rating for this is 3.4. And from what I've seen, a lot of the reviews uh, say that it it's just too difficult or it's not for them. Um, there's been some some technical issues that I think people have had troubles with as far as uh, inaccessibility or um, uh, sliders not working, crashes, things like that. But otherwise, uh, it's either people really don't like it or people really like it. And and I'm curious for for people that are jumping onto Game Pass and they don't quite know enough about this game. Are are there some people that you could say like, yes, if you like this, you would like that. Uh, when when looking at this game, I'm trying to think of a game that's really like it that would. You know, if you like this style of game, you'd like this. 
really, um, if you like the the puzzle games, like the point and click games, it's very much like a really polished Artifacts Moody game. Um, Artifacts Moody's are hidden objects slash point and click games that are widely available on PC and Xbox. However, they're not, um, <laughs> they don't retain that degree of polish. I'm convinced that they have one person that does the voice for the males and one person that does the voice for the females. And that's it. Um, but in terms of gameplay, if you really like that kind of gameplay, I would say that Call of the Sea is, is a good comparison to that. And, and I, can, I can definitely see, like again, that it's got that difficulty. But if you can make it through that center part of the game, um, the game has six chapters, right? I probably spent half of the time that I played the game in chapter three. <laughs> so if you can get past that, the pace does really pick up. And like you mentioned before, the story really picks up and it, gets, it really pulls you in after that midpoint. So um, I, I think, again, it's just something that everyone should experience. If you have, if someone out there plays this or listening to the podcast and says, yeah, I want to play that and they get stuck, you know, I'm happy to answer questions. I can even kind of dole you clues without giving you the answer. If that would help you at all, I'm more than happy to assist people. Yeah. And uh, that was the thing that really surprised me is once I got past that, that Oregon puzzle, everything else about the game was just like, oh yeah, okay, this is cool. Let's, let's get into this. I want to, I want to really dive more into uh, the story and, and kind of get to that end game where I can finally find out like if I'm right about what I think is going on with the game. And you know, I, I was happy that I was right. I felt like I kind of learned that a little too soon in the, in the, uh, the game. Um, but overall, uh, I would say the last half of the game is worth the, the, the pain that I went through trying to work out the puzzles on my own until eventually I just kind of, I, I kind of had to concede and be like, all right, there's, there's something that I'm missing that is obvious as soon as I, as soon as I understand why I'm missing it. And once that happened, it was, it was really nice. Um, any final thoughts on, on the game or did you want to move on to something else? Uh, actually, I'd like to just really touch briefly on the achievements, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you out there that are achievement hunters, this game is actually pretty reasonable for that. Because if you're focusing on getting all of your interactive clickables and items as you're going through the game, which you should be in order to figure out the solutions to the puzzles, you're going to get probably three quarters of the achievements on your first playthrough. And the game really is quite friendly in that aspect. So that if you go back, um, there's a chapter select. If you go back and you miss something in a specific chapter, it remembers all your notes from your previous playthrough. So you only have to get the stuff that you missed. That's actually one of the few games that I did get 100% on. Hey, hey. Which I don't do. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually, I was really happy about that because as soon as I got done uh, with the game, I was like, oh, uh, this is actually, I only got a couple things I got to work on. So that's cool. I'll jump back into that. Awesome. So I was looking at what we have to go through and I wanted to talk to you about Morkrend because that is a weird game and you told me about it and you've played it. I don't have anyone to play with, uh, but let, let's get into to Morkrend and see what the heck is actually, uh, what, what this game is actually about. Okay. Uh, so Morkred is a game from Hyper Games. They're actually in Oslo, Norway, and they were founded in 2012. There's nine total people, which, by the way, four people made Call of the Sea. So there's nine people at the studio that does Morkred, and it took them four years to develop the game. What I think is interesting about this game, well, uh, and about many of our games, actually, is um, how universal games can be. I mean, this is a game from Norway, and... Uh, it's, it's a really neat, unique game that I haven't seen much in this vein before. 
Um, it's, it's a co-op game and it's, and it's best. Um, you can absolutely play it by yourself because you said you hadn't played it because you didn't have someone to play with. When you play it by yourself, you have two characters and you use one stick to control each character versus co-op where you have one person independently controlling each character. Um, and your goal is to move this like giant light ball ball, I guess is the best way to put it like an orb through the levels. I, I, again, I feel like it's best played in co-op if you have somebody to play with, but it is only local. There's no online co-op, but it's something you can do by yourself. Uh, it reminds me a lot of brothers, uh, tale of two sons, which was on game pass, but is no longer. And is one of my probably favorite indies of all time. Yeah. And, and that game is a one player adventure you control each brother with a stick um so you have to <laughs> figure out how to kind of mentally subdivide your brain to get through these puzzles because you've got one character on each stick I, I would recommend to try this even if you go through one level on your own just to see how you feel about it um but it's it's interesting so you are two shadow people you've been resurrected you're giving this white glowing ball that you need to protect and they say the orb is life okay so what do i do now well if you move out of the light ball that's created by this orb you die uh somebody walks across your path you die something moves you die (laughs) uh so you know at first you're like oh this is a cool mechanic until you're playing with your husband and he walks in front of you unintentionally nine times in a row and you die every time and have to restart the section. (laughs) I feel like that's one of those things where you really have to be conscientious of who, who you might be or like what you're doing as opposed to just blindly walking forward to where you want to go. You really have to be like, okay, what is going on around me? instead of just, just going to point B and not thinking about it. And it happens the whole game. So you might start the game and be like, oh yeah, okay, so here's the mechanic. I get this. And then like halfway through the game, you're like, okay, I got to get from point A to point B. And you walk there and you don't realize that you walk with the shadow from the ball creating a shadow behind you and you cut your person off that you're playing with and kill them instantly. (laughs) Um, The save system is very forgiving. So you don't lose usually horrific progress by dying. You know, it's more of a ha ha. Okay. Don't do that again. But mm-hmm. um, you definitely have to be super aware of how the light and shadow mechanic works so that you can, for example, move to the right around the ball and not cut off your partner and kill them and have to start that section over. Oof, man. Now, I, after watching some videos of this, I noticed that uh, it, it starts out kind of normal for the most part, but it, it quickly starts to descend in some weird aesthetics. Um, can, you, can you touch a little bit more on why it gets kind of creepy later on? Well, okay. So, so the why is a really interesting question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's not a whole lot of narrative, right? Yeah. It puts you in the game and it shows you being resurrected and it gives you a ball and then you just have to figure out how to get the ball through the levels. Yeah. Um, as you proceed through the levels, there's like murals on the walls that tell you some information about the story, but there's not anything that really walks you through the why you're pushing this ball through the level. Mm-hmm. And then at the very, very end of the game, there is something, and I'm not going to say what it is because it will ruin the whole story of our game, which has no story. Um, but there's something that happens that uh, leads you to believe that what you think is happening is not happening. Hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of a logic leap to get there. Um, and it, it's definitely something you can call a twist. And even after the fact, like my husband and I were, were in a space where we were discussing, like, is this what we really think happened at the end? And this is what we think the story was the whole game. Um, so it's that part is really interesting. 
but um, following along with that, you end up in a section of the game about one third of the way through called the meat. Yeah. And it's disgusting. It is tentacles and skin and teeth and (laughs) it's just gross. Yeah. Which I could probably look past that gruesome environment. Um, where it, that section of the game, not so incredibly frustrating. No, I, 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 I've been on the internet before. I have seen things that I do not speak of. And I would say that a lot of people are probably like, oh, tentacles, skin. That sounds interesting. No, no. This is, this is like human centipede <laughs> kind of stuff. Like this is not the, this is not the, there's, there's no, there's no glossy, winky faces about this this is like diablo 2 kind of grossness that you're just like yeah no i didn't need to think about those kind of but i i think the closest thing i've ever seen to it that was in a game recently that i can pick from is uh trover saves the universe there is just a planet that is just nothing but meat and teeth and pustules and that's what I saw when uh, when I was thinking about this game. I was just like, "Yep, that's a gross. That's a gross planet. That's a gross thing. I don't want to. I don't want to look at that anywhere." But how did the, <laughs> to kind of get away from the aesthetics, uh, <laughs> so I don't have those mental images now? How was the gameplay for the first two thirds of the game? It was excellent. Um, so you're moving through these environments, and you're in, let's say, ruins, right? Or you're moving through these different fields of, but uh, one of my, one of the most unique mechanics I think is part of the early game is there's these fields of these plants, and when your light ball touches the plants, they suck away the light. So you have to move through those areas as quickly as possible, and touching these little like orbs that replenish the light of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's just such cool mechanics like that as you proceed through those areas so for example you could set a light on the conveyor belt and then you have to go down the right and the left each character on one side of this conveyor belt and alternate switches to open the doors so that neither of the characters get stuck in shadow and dies and then you have to restart that section um or maybe you have to use your like stand between the ball and an object and use your shadow to block that object so that it's not um, alerted mm-hmm. and then it'll open up a door to a to a different area um, the puzzles are, are really pretty intuitive. Um, I really enjoyed that section of the game. And then about two thirds of the way through the game, you hit that meat area and it changes up most of those mechanics while adding some new ones. You're moving through that gruesome environment. And then the final section is incredibly difficult and frustrating, especially as you're trying to coordinate two people and make a lot of action. And it just, I've, really was not happy by the time I got to the end of the game. And it sucks because you start early in the game, you're like, this game is so cool. And these runes and the way the light plays through everything and how this all affects everything is so neat. And then you get to like that last part of the game and you're like, I hate this game. I just want it to be over. I'm never playing it at a game, this game again. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So after, after that kind of a review, um, who, who would enjoy this game? Who would get a kick out of this? I think it's a lot of fun as a co-op game. I mean, we, my husband and I, we had a ton of laughs. 
um, playing the game. It was really fun to, to figure out how to solve the puzzles and how each mechanic works. But when you get to the end, you just have to know that this is not going to be the most fun part of the game. It's going to take kind of a downturn where maybe not the, the controllers um, not having the cleanest response becomes very evident. Mm. Um, whereas earlier in the game, it wasn't quite as punishing. Um, earlier in the game, you get lots of checkpoints. Like even if you get close to a checkpoint, it'll give you credit for reaching that checkpoint um, versus having to completely cross over it to get credit. But as you get into the later part of the game, the checkpoints are so far apart. I feel that maybe they could make that part of the game not quite as bad if they would add more checkpoints because you have to go through these long stretches of game. And again, I'm trying not to ruin anything um, because it completely changes the the light and dark shadow mechanic on you. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to go through these stretches of game and there are very spaced apart checkpoints. And if you screw up anywhere in that process, it makes you go back to the checkpoint you were at. Yeah. and after doing the same section 32 times, you really start to get angry <laughs> at both your co-op partner and the game itself going, well, why couldn't you have put a checkpoint halfway between this and the next one so that I don't have to keep replaying this section? Gotcha. Now, so when I think when I think about this and I think about other games that try to play with this style of gameplay, this cooperative co-op uh, in, a, in a situation, you know, the, a lot of games that come to mind are things like moving out or, um, oh, gosh, I just blinked on the cooking one. Overcooked, man. Uh, so and, and I think a lot about those and how those games really play on the idea of what you're doing is frustrating when you're playing with someone else because you're 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 reliant so much on that communication with who you're playing with but at the end of the day they they try to make the game as silly and as humorous and fun as you can possibly get it so that the frustration is is kind of diminished by the levity of the situation this game always felt like it was a very serious or very dark game so uh, how do how do you recommend this to people uh who are are going to be looking at this with uh the potential of jumping in with someone that they are playing games with on a regular base basis especially if this is a a local co-op uh game and you know tell them that you know this is going to be a dark game you're going to get frustrated how is this going to keep marriages together it wait it's supposed to keep marriages together didn't it this was not the marriage ender okay <laughs> the marriage the marriage ender was the one that's not game pass no um my husband actually is a great co-op partner as much as he doesn't enjoy playing these games with me um he's still awesome to to be a trooper and and play through these games so i can have these discussions with you um he's right behind you isn't he about six feet okay <laughs> is he is he playing destiny right now is he or is he in forza um nope destiny okay so he's distracted at least yes okay that's fair <laughs> this is true so at least i know you're not you're you, you don't have him looking over your shoulder while you say this so i i can i can trust that everything's okay yes blink. uh well okay so blink. let me let me jump in actually on the previous point sorry what oh i was just gonna say blink twice if you need help oh <laughs> at any at any point I'll, I'll mute twice just to, that works so you know um no uh we played overcooked we haven't played moving out yet um and overcooked i think the the core of it is really in the communication the difficulty in this game in that last section is not so much about the communication it 
you know, obviously you're going to say, Hey, I'm going to move left and then right. And then you throw the ball to me or, or whatever. But it's the problem is you could do the same thing five times in the exact same way and get a different result. And so that for mm. me falls on the game mechanics. Um, again, if they would have thrown in some more checkpoints in that final section, I really feel like it wouldn't be as bad. And maybe not everyone's going to struggle with it like we did. You know, maybe yeah. another um, group of people will play through it and it'd be totally fine. Um, and they won't have the same difficulties we had, but we, we were just, Again, not impressed with that final section. And he told me he'll play it again with me. Like he really, really enjoyed the bulk of the game. But uh, when you pass into that last section of the game, he said he won't play it with me after that. So um, it's nice because at least I can go back and try and get the achievements from the earlier levels, but without having to play the entire game and feel that same frustration. So at least I can get about two thirds. Do you think this is something people could drop off and be satisfied with uh, with the first two thirds of the game and, and feel like they don't necessarily have to complete the game and still get enough enjoyment out of it? Given that there's no story, really, that I mean, your biggest story moment is at the beginning and at the end. So if you're not really invested in the story, you can still play a good section of the game and still be very happy with your experience with it. Absolutely. Cool. Well, or do- play the whole thing and just say, I'm never going back to this game after this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the whole game is like, I think it took us three hours. You know what I mean? It's it's not a long game, but knowing that two of the hours are fantastic and the last hour is really frustrating, like you got to levy that against how you want to spend your time. Yeah, that's that's real. That's real good to know. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to jump into about this? No, I, I actually just want to say one more thing. There is DLC content for the game, which we have not invested in. And maybe that they have resolved some of those issues in the DLC content. But when I tried to look at it to see mm-hmm. what was in it, as there are more levels like the first part of the game or like the, the second part of the game, all I could find out is that there's hats. Like apparently you can get hats for your characters in the DLC and I couldn't really find anything about additional levels or content. Hey, that's uh, a, th- a choice. That's a choice. So if you want hats, there's DLC. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, let's go ahead and see if we can dive into, let's do, let's do Unruly Heroes next. Let's, let's jump into that. Cool. I have no clue what this game is. So why why is this a game that you want me to to take a look at? Um, Unruly Heroes is definitely a game that slipped under the radar. And it actually slipped under the radar for everyone, including myself. Um, and then when I was kind of combing through stuff going, I haven't looked at this yet. What is this game? I found out that I really got caught um, a lot of it on the graphics. The graphics are really cool looking in this game. It's a 2.5D side-scrolling kung fu platform, which is a whole lot of things in one. Um, That's a word salad. Yep. <laughs> so That is a word salad. I'm going to get this wrong, and hopefully my husband will correct me, but it is um, a 2.5D character on a 3D environment. So the environment's very living. It's okay, 2D character on a 3D environment. Um, but the, the environments are very living. They move. They're very pretty. They look um, almost watercolor painted. And it's, that's kind of where I, I got caught. I was like, wow, look at these graphics. I wonder what kind of game this is. And I started looking deeper and I'm like, wow, I really want to try that. Um, it is a side-scrolling platformer and it's got clear inspiration from The Legend of the Monkey King. Your characters are all based off of that. Oh, Wukong. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. And so um, it's each character, there's four different characters and each character has different capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um you know, two of the characters can jump really high, but then glide. Two of the characters can double jump. And they all have differing fighting capabilities, although the main character, which is the Wukong character, um, 
I, I really enjoy that character the most as I play through the games. But you'll find that you have uses for each different character as you proceed through the levels. Can you play through the whole game as just one, or are you are you forced to use the others for different parts of this, the game? Um, so yes and no. When you die as your character, it pushes you to the next. You, you can choose one of the three next available characters. Okay. Um, so if you were to, you could play as that character all the time. Except if you die, you're gonna have to obviously switch to another character. Also, there's certain sections of the game, nothing crazy, um, but there's certain sections of the games where you need a certain character for a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, one guy can punch through special walls. Another guy can turn into, like, a balloon almost and, like, float up into the air and get to higher areas. So, sometimes you have to use those other characters, but if you prefer to keep with one main character, you can absolutely do that. Gotcha. It, I'm, I'm looking at photos of this. It definitely has that feel of uh ori in the blind forest or ori in the will of the wisps uh the the beautiful backgrounds the 2d uh design as far as the the actual platforming um so who's making this because i'm assuming it's not the people that did ori no it is magic design studios and they actually self-published the game they have the biggest staff of any of our games so far at 23 and which is funny because when you think of the hundreds of people that make games like Destiny, when you look at a studio and go, wow, that's 23 people, that's quite a few, it, it kind of makes you giggle a yeah. little bit. Um, but the studio is located in France. And actually, I think a lot of the polish that you're seeing in terms of the graphics and the gameplay are come from the fact that a lot of the people have backgrounds working at Ubisoft on things like Rayman, Splinter Cell, Assassin's Creed, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Gotcha. That, that definitely helps out having that background history and kind of knowing what you want from a game too uh it, it definitely makes sense especially when you say rayman um it, it's clear that there's a lot of soft textures in the background that remind me a lot of the rayman levels uh especially with like rayman legends and stuff so would you would you kind of say that that this being made in france and it being a from the ubisoft uh folks that that have kind of moved on to the studio is this kind of a, a good game for fans of Rayman? I would say, yeah. Okay. It does have a very similar feel. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously it's not the same. No game is exactly the same, but it does have a, a similar vibe to it. Yeah. So I guess I'm curious, what drew you into playing this one then? So I did see the graphics and I thought this is really cool. And then I saw it was a 2D platformer and I love like, I don't love brawlers so much as I like the platforming side of things. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed that it has co-op, um, which is pretty cool because again, I can sucker my poor husband into playing games with me. And um, I was playing through the game and it's funny. So I pl- I've played a lot of Lego games yeah. and in Lego games, like each character has kind of its own capabilities and things that make it special and why you'd want to use that character. So in seeing the similar mechanic in this, I thought, yeah, this seems pretty cool. I'd like to play through this. Um, I played the first level on normal and it was harder than I'd really like to admit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I dropped it down to easy because I noticed that none of the achievements were difficulty based. So I said, oh, well, I'll just play it on easy. And it became a game that I really got drawn into because as you go through um, the levels, there's 29 total levels. Um, as you go through the levels, it likes to introduce a different mechanic that it'll keep for a series of levels. So for example, it might give you, um, something that allows you to vacuum smoke away, but you can also use it to pull enemies towards you or to catch yourself as you're falling. And then you'll see that same mechanic for like four levels. 
And then after you defeat the final boss of that area, and you go on to the next section of levels, they'll introduce another different mechanic. You maybe can take over your enemies. And you can get all the abilities now that those enemies have to get through the levels, like climbing on the ceiling or climbing straight up walls. Hmm. So um, the fact that it keeps you engaged as you proceed through the levels is really great. It gives you something to focus on and it doesn't feel like you're playing the same game over and over and over, despite only having those four characters to choose from. You've been talking a bit about the the actual levels and stuff. Uh, this kind of following the story along of, of like Wukong, the Monkey King, what kind of story is it telling? Is it is it a story of saving the world like I would expect? Or, or is there something that's uh, maybe a little more personal or deeper? Because you've got a cast of characters here. So I imagine you've probably got some varying personalities. So what, what's kind of the premise behind the story and, and why that's going to draw people in? Or maybe it won't. And that's kind of it. it. It doesn't, like some of our other games today, it doesn't really have a whole lot that's drawing you into that story. It definitely has that same concept of, yay, you're going to defeat all these bad guys and save the world, but it doesn't really give you a ton that draws you in. In fact, um, <laughs> sounds really mean and I feel bad saying it, but there's some really bad dialogue. Really? Like really bad. That's a disappointment. Um, you, it gives you the option to hold B to fast forward through the dialogue. And once I played through the levels the first time, if I were to go replay it looking for coins, because there's a lot of collectibles to find within the levels, I would just fast forward through it. It just wasn't even enthralling enough for me to listen a second time. Interesting. So it was more the gameplay and the atmosphere than the actual story and dialogue then. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that... If your gameplay is good, your atmosphere, it's a clean game, it doesn't have really bad glaring issues with the controls, you can oversee a bad story. You know what I mean? You, you still have that, that gameplay working for you. It's not always the case, but in a lot of them, especially in these, these smaller made games, if you have balancing good gameplay, you can kind of overlook the fact that your story is questionable or lacking. Yeah, yeah. And and I think I think we've had this discussion last episode. There, there tends to be... Uh, either one or the other. It's either really good in the story or really good in gameplay. Uh, and, and it's it's hard to find a good mix of the two. Um, so with the design and, and the aesthetic, um, I, I guess I'm still trying to, I'm kind of hung up why it follows the story of, of the Monkey King in this because it's called Unruly Heroes, which kind of plays with the trickster style of, of the Monkey King, but was there anything to suggest like why the story was taking place with the the Monkey King legend? Not much. I mean, I'm about 14 levels into the 29 levels because the levels are long. They take your par times are normally somewhere right around eight, eight to 10 minutes. And when you're looking for all the collectibles and you die a few times, even on easy, you end up spending like 15 to 20 minutes in these levels. And so they take a really long time to proceed through this story. But at this point, I'm committed, man. I'm halfway through. I'm going to get to the end. Yeah. Uh, but your characters don't really talk back. Like, it's just the huh. the villain um, talking smack to you and then you going and beating up on the villain. <laughs> That's so interesting. So I, I was looking at the reviews on the on the Xbox app on on PC and bear in mind that the reviews that I'm looking at right now are, are totally dependent on the specific PC stuff. Like I, I recognize that somewhere else there's probably a different review and rating and stuff, but I just wanted to get a basis for what people were uh, were putting this in or what people were thinking of this on the actual store. And this one 
surprisingly, uh, got 4.4 out of 5 compared to the 3.5 out of 5 that Call of the Sea got. And I, I wanted to, to ask you, because I, I understand how polarizing Call of the Sea could be, but do you think a 4.4 sounds right given the 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 lack of story or the 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 kind of slumping dialogue that this game has compared to the actual gameplay no i feel like the um scores that have been given to call of the sea and unruly heroes could very easily be swapped mm. so i like the 4.4 i think is is well deserved to call the sea and unruly heroes should maybe be like a i don't know if 3.5 is is too low but um maybe like a four you know you you've definitely got um things working for you and things working against you in this game. So again, difficulty is definitely a factor um, and it can be repetitive, but like I said, you've got those new mechanics that keep you invested. I think that they could have cut down the number of levels. I understand that they wanted to create this expansive world with different environments and they are, the, the environments are very different between each section of the levels, but I feel like maybe they went a little too far. They could have easily gotten away with like three um, or four levels in each area versus like six or seven interesting or, or do you think maybe it would have been better if they'd split up the the levels how do you mean uh well you you'd mentioned that the levels were really long do you think they could have uh they could have uh, split up the levels a little bit more made it a little more digestible on a shorter basis would that have helped at all it definitely could have helped like i said they've got an achievement for getting a level done in less than five minutes and like 0.015 percent of people have accomplished it um, it's just not a short game. Like when I sit down and I work on a level, I, I know that I'm putting 15 to 20 minutes down to try and get all the collectibles and get through everything. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I did notice too on the story. Maybe you don't know. I don't know if I want to go on the store uh, rating system at all because I'm looking at uh, Workred and they, they gave it a 3.5 as well too. So I don't know if I trust these people. You guys are crazy. Some of these games. Are you looking at the Microsoft store? Uh, the Game Pass store on uh, the Xbox app for, for PC. Uh. And uh, I, I don't trust it anymore. I'm giving up on that. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Was there anything else about the game? Maybe something that was uh, redeeming that that you you would recommend for player or for people or uh, overall just kind of. Did you think that this game is something people should should pick up? Uh, to to try or or it, maybe they're in love with the the Monkey King legend. Uh, actually, it, you know, I make it sound really bad, but it's not as bad as I'm making it out to sound. The game is fun. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun if you just put it on easy. And and I don't condone taking the easiest path out or anything like that. But to to make this game, I think redeeming. If you put it on easy and play it with a friend, or even play it by yourself and swap through the characters, it is a lot of fun. It just it's a time investment, right? Knowing that there's 29 freaking levels. The the death mechanic's super redeeming. So I don't know if you ever, I'm sure you've played the Mario games when um, like Yoshi loses the baby and the baby like floats up into the air and then you have to hit the bubble to get the baby back. Yes. Okay. So but only a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> when you lose a character in this game and then it allows you to pick another one and pop back in and continue to play that it's got a similar mechanic. So then a bubble comes up with that character's face on it. And all you have to do is hit the bubble and now you have that character back. So it's, it makes it really hard to fail. That's kind of nice. The levels. Uh, like if you're willing to sit down and just play through it and have some fun. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. It's, it's redeeming, I think, hugely redeeming, because then you just have to hit it and get your character back and continue on. So the boss fights aren't as bad as you would think, you know what I mean? Um, playing through the levels, if you get to a particularly difficult puzzle section, 
it's not as hard as you would think because you can just keep getting your characters back. There's no limit. That's good to hear at least. So you could, they may be long levels, but it's not, it's not the hardest thing to have to, to deal with uh, as long as you can kind of stay, stay close to your, your characters if you lose them. Mm -hmm. And there's also um, a PVP mode as well. There's local and online PVP. If it's something that you're interested, I am not, so I cannot speak to how good or bad that is. But it definitely seems like they dedicated a portion of their time to creating those PvP. And it's it's like a it's very much a brawler aspect in the terms of like a Smash Brothers. You know what I mean? Where you've got the static level and then you have your characters and you're fighting and using different abilities. And there are oh, I didn't mention that. These characters do have a like ultimate ability. So as you go through and you beat up enemies and that kind of thing, it fills up your ultimate ability buttons and then you pull both triggers which i don't i'm sorry i don't know what it is on the pc but you pull both triggers and then they use some sort of like crazy ability like they might um turn really big and smash everything and do massive damage to bosses or they might um spin in a circle and move the circle around and just keep hitting the boss consecutively um but the those make it really fun too the ultimate abilities that's cool. That's always that's a fun moment where you get that you get that sense of being able to just be completely overpowered for a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And it's really um, forgiving in that aspect too. In fact, in the fact that it gives you those really fast, like you might use it, and if you're using the same character and popping off all the time, you'll get it back within a couple of minutes, and you can use it again. Very cool. Was there anything else, or did you want to uh, shift over to our next title? No, the only thing I would say is if you're going to play this, don't do it for achievements. Do it because it's a fun game. It's got a really cool graphic aesthetic and it's really pretty. And all these levels are so different with the mechanics. If you like to do the collect-a-thon thing where you like, it's got a hundred coins in every single level. If you like doing that and finding all those coins, it's really cool because of the way that they hide them too. Awesome. But that's kind of the end of that. <laughs> Works for me. Well, let's dive into our our next game, which I wanted to actually switch over to something that I have played, which was Donut County. Uh, this this was a game. This was, yeah, I, I, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this. This one didn't ring so much for me uh, the way like Call of the Sea did. Uh, but who made this, who published it? What, give me, give me some information about like what's going on with this indie developer. Okay. Well, Donut County is actually made by a dude. His name is Ben Esposito and he came up with it on his own in the game jam. And then he expanded upon that and released the game with the assistance of Annapurna Interactive. So this is like literally a one person thing. He also worked on what remains of Edith Finch which is um, another game that is on Game Pass that I'd like to actually maybe touch on next, or next podcast. And um, I think that Donut County is another game that is really polarizing. Like I talked to you prior to this and you were really just not a huge fan of it. But yet um, I have heard from a ton of people on Twitter and um, in, in my interactions with people that I know that are like, yeah, I played Donut County and I loved it. It's ridiculous. So tell me why you didn't like it. Um, well, so, okay. I, I want to get into that, but I, I guess the only way I can is if I, is if I kind of give us a bit of a, a bit of a base for what the game is. Um, this is a, a, a world with animals that are actually animals, but are uh, self-aware animals. They talk and you have relationships with them and there's jobs and it's kind of little town just populated by animals. And there's one girl 
who is with them for some reason. You know what this reminds me of now that I think about it? I say this out loud. It reminds me of Winnie the Pooh and Christopher Robin, where Christopher Robin is just out with a whole bunch of little animals. And sure, in the in the real world, it's just stuffed animals that he's you know having playtime with. But in this, it's kind of that same prospect. And you've got a raccoon, which I love raccoons. So already I had a positive disposition towards this game. And this game just kind of has you go around with uh, the the holes of a donut, which is is literally like that Acme scene from uh, from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where you throw the 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 black hole on the wall and you can reach into it, or you can throw it on a, a box and reach into the box and grab something and pull it out. This is a hole that's just in the ground, and you navigate the hole, and you have objects in the world fall into the hole, and every time you do, the hole gets larger until eventually you're sucking up entire buildings. And come to find out, everyone is just in the middle of this hollow planet that is just now in the center of the, of the world, and they're all sitting around blaming the raccoon for all of the stuff that was going on. And he's like, all you guys did was order donuts. And they're like, yeah, cause donuts sounded good. Why did you use a hole to, to suck me up into the earth? And I really still don't understand the, the point or premise to it. Um, I'm a fan of games like this, like uh, Katamari Damacy is a game where all you're doing is just rolling a ball around and you just pick up objects on the ball. And every time you pick up objects on the ball, uh, the objects add to the mass and the larger the mass, the larger objects you can then pick up. For some reason, I really love that. Just like I love sucking up stuff in Luigi's Mansion games where all I'm doing is just trying to vacuum every possible thing I possibly can. With this, I didn't feel like there was a a point to the dialogue. And every time there was a dialogue session, I actually really just was annoyed to the point where I was like, nope, all I want to do is have things fall into the hole. And if and if you're not going to give me the the things to fall in a hole, I just want to skip past it. So I will give credit to the game and the developer that if you don't want to listen through the dialogue, there is a very quick speed through button for all the dialogue. You can just skip it all if you really want to. So I appreciate that. I just don't know why there was so much emphasis on the the dialogue between the characters because when I was reading through it, it was very dull and it did not captivate me in the slightest because all it is is just argues arguments back and forth it's like oh well he said this or oh they said that or she said this and they're blaming each other for for stuff that's going on and putting pushing the the point and i'm like i didn't come to watch these people argue or these animals argue back and forth between each other i came to have things fall into holes and this is just keeping me from that so that was my biggest issue with it uh, the levels themselves were good, but they were very short and I had a lot of trouble with that. Uh, I, I was hoping that the levels would actually get bigger and bigger and bigger in the vein of, of like a Katamari Damacy where the world starts out super small and then eventually you just have this tiny little person pushing this giant ball of junk around and and knocking stuff over and breaking stuff to try and add to the mass of it. Whereas with the whole you know, each level was maybe three to five minutes, if that, 
if, if that, I wouldn't even say five minutes. I can't think of a level that was really five minutes. Um, so that's kind of where I rubbed up against the, the, the game itself. Um, but I will say that it is a short enough game that I wasn't too, too upset about it. But, uh, give me your impression. Sell me, sell me better on why I should be, why I should praise this game more. Wow, you've given me a lot to cover. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, so let's that's start okay. from the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. I want to go over the story a little bit because um, you did touch on the story, but maybe not in a way that not everyone's going to understand it listening to this. Only the people who have played it are going to understand. So I'm going to break it down a little bit more. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get the story. <laughs> I skipped it. I skipped it all. And you're not wrong, actually, on anything you touched on, but I'm going to swing back. Let me kind of start there. Yes. So BK is the main character. He's a raccoon. He works in a donut shop. Um, he's His job is to obviously deliver donuts, but then he's given this app that can deliver the donuts for him. Kind of like a pyramid scheme, not exactly. And he can earn points every time he does it. So, you know, people call in, they want them donuts. He delivers the donuts. But he doesn't understand that when he's delivering the donuts, it's actually a hole that's sucking everything into the ground, the residents, their houses, their stuff. Um, Mira, the girl you were talking about, um, that's like the one person that lives with all the animals. Um, she is his best friend and she finds out that he's doing this. And so to get back at him, she, be, well, basically she says, Hey, you're doing this. You're sucking all these people. You're ruining their lives. What are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I want this quadricopter. So she orders a donut to the donut shop and it gets sucked into the hole. So now he's in there and he has to pay penance against all these people who he's just like sucked their entire lives down a hole into the ether. Um, from there though, you're absolutely not wrong about the dialogue. It is not enthralling it's pretty dull they're arguing all the time and then it's got that awful like like the animal crossing yeah and you're but, but not <laughs> not as charming as animal crossing no. though that's the problem it, it grinds on me when i listen to them like and i'm like ah can can we put a little softness on this it it hurts i like the animal crossing i don't like this yeah, so I, I definitely, no, you're fine. I read the dialogue, but I did the same thing. I could not stand that noise. So I kept fast forwarding through the dialogue to try and get to the end where I'm like, let me play this game again because it is so much fun to play as the hole and to suck everything up. And you start small and first you're sucking up like a cockroach and then you're sucking up a brick and then a crate. And then all of a sudden, like by the time you're done, you're taking the entire freaking like building down the hole with everything else. Um, but you're, yep. you're right. The, the levels are really short. There's not enough. There needs to be more gameplay to make this balanced with the fact that you have to endure that dialogue. Um, everything yep. that you suck up goes to a Trashopedia, which you can basically look up each object and kind of read about it. And there's some funny, funny descriptions in there. But overall, um, is there a balance, I guess, is the question between having to endure the dialogue and playing the gameplay? It's close. Like the gameplay is great. It's a lot of fun. The story takes a crazy turn after that point, after he sucked down the hole um, where he basically has to confront his boss, which is just out of control. But yeah, I, I, there really needs to be more gameplay. The, 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 you touched on something with the Trashpedia uh, that I thought was interesting because I, I, I saw the achievement. I 100% of this game because I, I saw how little I had left with it. And the problem that I ran into with the Trashpedia is everything in the game. It's like this, this guy took every asset that he made for the game, 
in a in a catalog and just said this is the wikipedia for this game in case anyone wants to make a wikipedia about all the objects that you can suck in and i'm like there's no point i know what a cactus is i don't need i don't need a wikipedia entry to tell me what a cactus is or i don't need to know like yeah i get it it's a it's a hot air balloon i, I don't know why this is in here i don't understand the point so i had a real problem when i saw that the the achievement was to get every item in the game and i i think i ended i can't remember if i talked to you about it but i looked it up and regardless and it was like just scroll through everything to get the achievement and i'm like that is a dumb achievement that is i don't understand what the point of the achievement is if all it is is telling me to start from the beginning and literally hold right analog trigger to go through every single item uh till it gets to the end and then when it gets to the end boom, you get the achievement. That's not, that's not crafty at all. So I don't know if that was just a lack of time or lack of ingenuity, but I had trouble with the, uh, the whole trashpedia thing. I do agree with you wholeheartedly on the, uh, the, the end of the story. The end of the story actually has a boss, which the game doesn't have a, a boss and, or any fights until the very end, which I was really kind of surprised about. So, uh, what, what did you think of the, the, anything that I kind of touched on with the trashpedia or the boss? Uh, as far as the trashpedia goes, I, I do feel there's some excessive descriptions. Like this is a cockroach. It eats trash. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we knew that, but there are some hidden gems in there of things that are really funnily described or, or comments that are made. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying completely pass by the Trashopedia. As far as the achievement goes, though, I do not remember that at all. Now, keep in mind, I played this back when it came out in like 2018. That's when I picked it up and mm -hmm. played through it. So um, gotcha. I, I do not remember that. I remember getting all the items, but I don't remember just flipping through the items being the solution. So I don't know if that's something that was maybe added later because people were having difficulty getting all the items out of the levels that you just had to like hold right trigger. I'm not sure on that one quite possible quite possible that they changed it it's hard to know without having it talk having talked about it uh from the same playing session um so touching on the boss uh bk which i i actually like bk uh i think that it was really adorable but that's just my my love for any cute little fluffy thing that looks like a raccoon um the the whole quadcopter thing plays a bigger part in the actual end story so as far as the the end boss fight in the end of the uh the game was that a good satisfying payoff for for the game as a whole for you yeah i would agree with that um well i don't know if i'm agreeing with you or not but i i would say it was um because yeah. that that last section of the game really ramped up what was happening in the story and kind of what you were doing and i thought it was a lot of fun um, mm -hmm. not that the previous levels weren't fun, but there just wasn't enough of them. And I still stick to that. There's just not enough gameplay for you to really invest in it, I think is a good way to put it. Cause the game is only what, how long did you, you put in the game? Ooh, that is a good question. I probably knocked it out in maybe less than five hours. It, it did not, it was kind of a one time play through everything. I probably spent a, a little, a little, you know, I probably stayed up a little bit later than I wanted to because I, I realized I was getting close to that end. So I would say it was probably five, six hours worth of game there. Um, I, I did enjoy the last fight or the only fight in the game. Uh, the thing that I think 
I wish I saw more of was actually that because the it, it isn't until the very end of the game that anything even changes for the end of the game where you're not just pulling things into a hole. And th- there was a little bit that of, of puzzle work towards the end that came into play. And I was like, yes, that is how you approach a game that is just about pulling things into a hole to make the hole bigger. You, you have different design. Essentially, without any kind of spoilers, there are some Rube Goldberg uh, designs to the puzzles at the end that aren't, aren't hard, but it was kind of refreshing that it wasn't just me quickly picking things up into a hole and waiting for the hole to get bigger so I could pick up bigger things. And I feel like that is where that game excelled and should have put more emphasis towards. Uh, I think that the the levels preceding that were dull and just a means to get to the end where I actually had to work out some puzzles. And I actually enjoyed that more, I think. I would. I'm split on that, right? Um, I think okay. the earlier levels were still really fun because they were chill. Oh, okay, well, I'm I'm gonna suck up this thing into the hole that's this big, and then you know try and get something bigger. I mean, it's it's no different than Katamari. If you don't enjoy that style of game, you probably won't enjoy this. Um, like I said, I really enjoy them, but I would like them to be longer or have more interaction with things that you suck into the hole versus what you did see at the later boss fight. I mean, honestly, I know it's one guy making it, and it's not fair of me to judge. But if we could have had like three three times as much game. Right. So a series of like five levels and then a boss and then a series of five levels and then some sort of puzzle or boss fight again. Like, I think that would have really created some depth to this game that is maybe not there. And I think that's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, it's funny because at the end there, there's hints of a, of a different type of game than just a, a straight uh, Katamari Damacy, which uh, in itself, I actually really love. And, and there is goofy dialogue in, in a Katamari game as well. And I stand by my feelings for for uh, Donut County as I do for that one. I absolutely hate the dialogue in Katamari games. I absolutely love <laughs> pushing a stupid little ball around, collecting paper clips until I can get a car. And for whatever reason, I just wish I had that as the sole gameplay. Like if they made a Tetris Connect where all it was was just me pushing a stupid little ball around or me just pushing a little, little circle to, to absorb things into the game. I would love that. And that's that's the difference between uh, games like those and a game like Luigi's Mansion, where they have built uh, that type of gameplay where you're just doing this one thing and they just ask you to do it all the time in the game. And that is the design. And they, they build a narrative around that. And I think that's why I love a game like Luigi's Mansion for everything that it does compared to Donut County, where I, I enjoy the gameplay. And I hate the fact that everything that's going on with the game that isn't the gameplay is detracting me from actually in doing the one thing that I want to do in that game. And I don't know how they fix that. Uh, I think they need to they need to try and figure out either build puzzles for the that that gameplay or give me just better levels or, or more levels or, or larger levels, like let the scale grow bigger or, or span out more. So I feel like I have a little, a little taste of, of what I want to get to from the, from the get-go and then let me slowly build up to that over time, as opposed to it just being like, 
how many bricks can I suck up at once so that I get this hole really big so I can go just grab a quick table and then suck up the entire table as opposed to trying to knock over the table first so that I can get the little bits of stuff that's on the table so that I can slowly work my way up to half of the chair so that I can knock off something like a pillow on the chair so I can then get the chair and then eventually get the table and you know build a little more a little more design into how to get to the larger objects as opposed to I just need to run around uh, and collect stuff real quick. And then as soon as I'm done, I have to go through a whole bunch of dialogue. I feel like that's fair. With the controls, I did want to touch on that because uh, I don't know how you felt about this. Uh, I love the, the gameplay, but I felt like there was something weird about the latency between when I moved the hole and when I moved the joystick when I was playing this. Did you did you feel that at all? Or is that just kind of my brain? Um, I did not experience that as a issue. Nothing significant that would stand out to me. Um, it's definitely okay. possible that there was a bit of a, a connection issue there as far as when you move it and when it's reacting. But I did not encounter any major issues on my playthrough. Interesting. Okay. It didn't feel quite as tight as I was hoping when I played through it. And I think that was one of the things that kind of detracted because I felt like I was always a, a, like a half second ahead of where I wanted it to be and trying to navigate around that always, always kind of rubbed up against me too. But um, were there things or were there other things about the game that you wanted to dive into? Uh, no, I, I just want to mention that I know we do have some people that listen that really like their achievements. So on this one, the achievements, like Logan said, are pretty easy to get. Um, as they were with Call of C, but maybe not more Critter Unruly Heroes. So you've got kind of two harder ones and two easier ones when it comes to the achievements. Yeah, and I'll, I'll echo that as well, too. The one that I hit you up about, I think, was the, the hardest one, but I think that was the one where it's, it's something you can easily look up online to get the answer to. And once you have it, then you're good. And there is a level replay too. So it makes it really easy to get access to those earlier areas of the game. If you do miss something that's required for an achievement. I did appreciate that. That was a feature that I was uh, happy about because after going through all of those levels and the dialogue between them, uh, especially in some of those achievements, you have to do things in a specific order. And if you miss that up, uh, then, then you have to restart the level. There's no way to go back. So having the ability to dive into the level even if i've kind of messed it up or maybe if there was like two achievements but they conflicted with what you wanted to or what you could do then then being able to restart the level after you got that achievement and not get punished uh was was really nice yeah i think that and this is me personally of course but i think all games that are built this way where you have separate segmented levels need a level replay because i think that the most organic way to play a game is sit down and play through and not have to stop and go, do I have to collect all these for an achievement or what do I have to do special here to get an achievement? Like I think people should have the right to play through a game completely organically and then have the ability to go back and replay a specific section in order to get those achievements like was available in Call of C and uh, this one, Donut County. Very cool. And I think we're going to take a quick break. Uh, this episode was actually much longer than what you're listening to right now. Believe it or not, we actually recorded about two hours worth of content. The trouble is, is that is a lot of content for a lot of games that we covered. So what uh, Kylie and I decided to do was to take this episode, split it up into two and 
release them separately so that way if you enjoyed what you've already heard awesome then all you have to do is go out and play those games enjoy them uh, come back later on when we've released the second half of this episode and what we'll do is we'll actually have uh, the rest of our thoughts on some other games as well as some other things that we're looking forward to Unfortunately, at the time of recording this, we've already had the idea Xbox event. There's a lot that I'm sure both of us want to go over in the future, and we'll try to get some of that content out for you as soon as possible. So thanks for listening and be sure to check out the show notes for any links to our social media or the Destination Indie content. See ya.